most valuable thing you can do when someone churns is to learn why and, and really optimizing that part because the more you find out why, the more you can start actually changing your product, changing your communication around it and clarifying messaging and all that kind of stuff that will prevent other people from not canceling. Last week, we heard from Fred Lumpyard, Director of Growth Marketing at Plan Day, about conversion rate optimization strategies for SaaS. This week, he's back with more strategies on creating a churn reduction engine. I'm EJ Brown, Senior Content Strategist at Fastspring. We help SaaS and software companies scale around the world. And you're listening to the Growth Stage Podcast, where we share stories from global SaaS leaders that you can use to inspire new growth strategies in your own business. Hi, I'm Nathan Collier. I am the director of content here at FastSpring. I'm joined today by Fred to talk about churn and churn prevention and how to win back customers when they leave. <laughs> so Fred, you joined me on a, on a previous episode and you said something in that episode. You were talking about sort of the different areas where a, a subscription software business can work. So you talked about traffic, you talked about convert that traffic to trial, trial to customer, and then churn. And, and one of the things you said that I thought was really interesting that I hope we can really dive into here is you said that churn was an area where people just don't spend enough time, where companies just don't, they don't think enough about churn. And that's a really big revenue opportunity for them. And you have something that you have, you have said to be is like a churn prevention engine that you've built in the past that, that is just a way of thinking about this. So first of all, welcome, Fred. Thanks for joining me again. Quickly introduce yourself so that people know who you are. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah, my name is uh, Frederick uh, Limpyard, but I usually go by Fred because everywhere I work, it's usually English speaking, <laughs> so it's easier to pronounce. But yeah, I'm currently I work as director of uh, growth marketing at a B2B SaaS uh, platform dealing with workforce management and scheduling in uh, Copenhagen. But I also uh, work as an advisor, in various companies like Fastspring mm-hmm. and other startups, etc where I work a lot with growth and, and subscription and whatnot. Very cool. So I jumped straight into it. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so tell, me, tell me more about churn. Like what, why is it that SaaS companies and you know, any company with a, with a subscription product in the software space, why don't they think enough about this? So I think, and I'm not going to speak for everyone because there are some, some out there that are extremely talented on it. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy that you treat churn as an ad hoc activity. That's something that you, oh, we have a problem with churn. It's already happened, right? We have a big problem with churn. It's Mm -hmm. it's already happened. And you try to figure that out. So you do all sorts of really not so useful things like, oh, we're just going to get the list of all the people who churn and we're going to send out a, a discount code to all of them and check uh, let's focus on acquisition again. <laughs> uh, I think that is very e- uh, easily that that can be uh, that that can happen. Yeah, we've heard this number gets tossed around sometimes when these conversations come up, which is five percent, meaning like five percent as a benchmark rate for churn for SaaS and software. What do you think of that number? Is that reasonable? Is that something that most SaaS companies should be aiming at? What is a good rate or a bad rate? It's hard with these numbers and benchmark numbers for different industries because, you know, you kind of have to look at your own individual category and then your own individual business and look at, okay, this is how much churn I have. Is this acceptable? 
because every time you, there's a churn, there's a customer that leaves you for some reason. I mean, churn is a natural part of the business. You will always have churn, but sometimes that could be a lever of growth that working with churn is actually where you can save and make the most money by just working with retention and getting customers back. I think you need to kind of treat it as as something that you always should, you know, monitor and always actively work to uh, prevent and right. find out why it's happening. So if you have like 10% churn, is it reasonable to say I can bring that down to 7% or I mean that this is the kind of stuff that has a high ROI to it if I understand what you're saying correctly. I mean, I think so, yeah. I mean, you can certainly start there. Like if you have 10% churn, but the benchmark in your category is 5. That might be worth looking into that that would mm-hmm. be a big opportunity to to there might be actually some quick wins there to actually get it down fast because they might be churned for some stupid reason, a technical glitch or uh, that their cards doesn't work or something like that. Because there is kind of two different types of churn, right? You have the voluntary churn where they cancel and then you have the non-voluntary churn where it's, you know, their card got expired or something like that. What are some of those specific sort of tactics? What are a few things we could do if we're trying to bring down the churn rate? Well, so what I always do is I start with the non-voluntary churn because that's, if you come to a company and they're not actively, you know, working with dunning management, using kind of the tools and the, the ways where you can actually retain cards and, you know, update card on file that are ex- expired, etc if i see that they're not doing that that's where i would start because it it will always be a quick win it's hard to say quick wins there's never quick wins but uh but it's a <laughs> definitely a, like an area of opportunity that are easier to fix faster and might give you a lot of good results compared to finding out why all these people hit the cancel button and never want to use your product again that's kind of a different beast to tackle so define Dunning and Dunning management for me so, so that everyone understands what you're talking about. Sure. So Dunning management and involuntary churn is everything that deals about, you know, your card failure, you know, rules that, you know, try the card several times. Usually it's in your e-commerce subscription platform uh, where we try to charge the card, you know, it didn't work. Then the rule is that we're going to charge in two days and then we're going to charge in five days. And then we might send out another one and then we cancel uh, the subscription. Those type of things is uh, really what Dunning Management is. And all that logic is usually what you would want to find in your e-commerce platform. It's automated though, right? It's not something I'm, I'm not manually having customer support reps do this. No, no, that should be automated and, you know, you should have some flexibility to how it should be working, uh, like mm-hmm. when the emails should go out, how they should look, etc. But yeah, it should be automated. In our notes here, you wrote this type of churn, involuntary or delinquent churn, is another term for it, yeah. could make up 20 to 40% of a company's overall churn. Is that is that what you've seen? Yeah, I've seen that. I mean, I think Certainly in my experience, you know, those were some very big gains, especially if, you, if you're using something non-flexible, maybe home-built, where, you know, you don't have those levers to pay. You simply just don't have the functionalities that a 
best in class subscription management platform offers you things like yeah. understanding why the card is failing and then also being able to in some cases actually change the card to like actually contacts the bank and gets the new card if the card was expired yeah there's quite a lot of work uh, or technology that has been done in that area i think yeah it's gone a lot of way a lot of technology has happened in that area right and so if you're doing it well like you shouldn't really have to think about this right it's the kind of stuff that that should be handled through that platform once you get it set up absolutely i mean that's why it's probably always better to to buy versus build your platform like especially if you're in a growth stage uh, where what you should be focused on is understanding why are people not want to use my product anymore and hit cancel. Mm -hmm. You want to spend all your time on that instead of looking at reports where it says that it's insufficient funds on the cards. And, you know, I have this big red bar every month with credit card failures, etc. That's not what you want to focus on. You You want to automate all that stuff. That brings us to voluntary churn. And you have some systems that you have built in some of your previous roles to try to understand why it is that the people who click cancel, like try to understand why they're clicking cancel and then begin to mitigate that, begin to win some of those customers back. I'd love to hear, love to hear more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, the way my reasoning is, if you can automate, systemize your qualitative feedback collection, and in this case, why they leave you. So typically an exit survey that you would send out to someone who, who cancels, right? Either via an email or maybe it's even when they hit the cancel button. If you can automate that collection, that's going to continuously get you feedback. So you don't have to think about, for instance, when I joined Capture One, we, we kind of sent out the survey and asked customers on an ad hoc basis first, pulling all the everyone who, who churned and we sent out the survey, very long survey and fraction answered. And it's like, it wasn't very useful, but if you could find a way where you can collect that continuously when it happens, that's going to be very valuable because you can actually use that information, taking action on that insights in, in various different ways that can be very valuable. So how did you do that? Well, the one thing before I answer that question is mm -hmm. the most valuable thing you can do when someone churns is to learn why. You're not going to maybe be able to win them back. You can certainly try in different ways, and I have some methods for that. But the thing that you want to do is you at least should try to work on finding out why they left you in the best way and, and really optimizing that part because... The more you find out why, the more you can start actually doing things, changing your product, changing your communication around it, and clarifying messaging and all that kind of stuff that will prevent other people from not. Future churn. Yeah. What kinds of things have you learned from surveys like this? It's actually really, really interesting. So, well, I can just tell you a really cool thing, Capture One, was that, first of all, the churn collection, where do I get it from? Well, we're using FastSpring, right? So we automatically, or FastSpring automatically sends out a transactional email when you hit the cancel button, you know, a receipt. But what many people don't know is that you can actually use that transactional email as the vehicle to ask them why they left you. 
So you can put the survey in that email, right? You can optimize how that survey should could look. So if just doing that, uh, since FastSpring is doing the first work or the e-commerce platform, they send out that transaction email automatically. You just put the survey in there and try to collect it and try to optimize you collecting the right things. You know, it might not be best in the beginning, but you're starting to kind of, the more you do it, the more you can fine tune it. So you're asking exactly the right questions to get them to give you that information. Because you're talking about the email that I get if I cancel service and it says, this has been canceled. It's just the confirmation email. Exactly. Cancel a service. And now you're, you're talking about using that as a way to gather insights. Absolutely, because there's so many benefits with that. I mean, it's a really, people are not using transaction emails nearly a lot because there's no like, you don't have to ask for permission. You don't have to get marketing consent, right? So you can hit everyone on it. The delivery rate on there uh, on it is perfect because uh, if you have a platform like FastSpring, that has to work, right? It's built in. It will always go out. It, it most likely always reach the person. So when I went from, hey, we're going to send out the churn or exit survey to people in our you know, marketing automation or email marketing system, and there's like a fraction that answers to doing it this approach, it's just night and day, right? It's just an increase. The response rate went out the roof. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the open rate of the email, but then also being able to actually work on the surveys, it becomes, you know, shorter and, and, and cleaner. So I was just getting all this insight into that. And that is really the most important step, because once you have the insights, then you can do the next step, which is even part. You can try to get that insight and put that insight into the system where you can take action. So let's say, Nathan, you cancel my subscription and you get the survey and then uh, you answer it. If I can take that information and then send that back into our marketing automation system. So basically putting it on the timeline, you usually have an event timeline, why you left. I can launch different workflows. For instance, I can start seeing trends on this called the data. Uh, how many are canceling because we're missing a feature? How many people are canceling because it was too expensive, etc. Which is super, super valuable because once I have that in there, I can then, for instance, all right, I'm going to send the data to our product managers about the features. So they actually start seeing these people. We're seeing a trend that more and more people are canceling because we used to have that feature anymore. Whereas the people that are, you know, they might canceling because it was too expensive or you know maybe it was during covid i could actually launch like a win back program where i can just hey you know i know you want to cancel but would you want to reconsider if we pause your subscription and give you a free billing because they really don't want to cancel it's just like well i might not need it now and it's covid so i have to prioritize uh, and you can do that automatically once you put that insight into your automation system it's quite cool very cool so why were people canceling like what are some of the things that you were like discovered that you weren't expecting oh yeah so one thing that, that i didn't expect was that there was actually a lot of people that weren't real churn so at capture one we kind of had two different types of products so it's a desktop subscription photo editing software so you could buy a perpetual license or you could buy a subscription right so you would have people that would use yeah i would cancel my subscription and then i would go buy a perpetual instead they are not the churned customer. It's only the subscription right. that is churned. 
So being able to actually crossing off like a bunch of churn is just that, right? These type of things was was really interesting. Or people that were just wanted to move between subscription plans. There was a confusement that they had to they would cancel their Capture One for Sony subscription and then they would buy a Capture One for Fujifilm because we had, you know, these type of different plans. But they were still they still had an active subscription. That led us to kind of look at the churn more and can you kind of have to look at well, customer churn and subscription churn. So hey, if a customer has an active subscription or a perpetual license or whatever, then they're not churned, right? So so that, that that's an interesting thing that that I learned. So, so you gather all this data. What kinds of things were you able to do either on the product side or on the marketing side to either win back customers or to lower churn? Like, What are some of the things that this gave you? Well, I think the most part we did was in the insight collection process working on a continuously getting that survey in the transaction email and then getting that in qualitative insight into the marketing automation system. So that was like a big part that kind of opened up a lot of opportunities on what we can do. So I think we, what I played around with was uh, sending out winback offers to or passing the subscription automatically via COVID. So we run some tests on that. Now, I don't I actually left Capture One at that time, but I think in the there were so many tests that I wanted to continue running. For instance, I wanted to, you know, send the feature data into our product hunt. So the PMs could get that. I wanted to try to work on the winback period. And for you guys who don't know what the winback period is, I don't know if I made it up or something, but it's basically when, (laughs) when you cancel your subscription, right? And let's say you're on a yearly plan. So if you cancel it, you have four months left. On it so you've paid for it that means that even if you cancel your subscription it will run for four months you can use it but then after four months it's deactivated so it's kill right that means that you have various sort of win back periods where you can actually take action you can actually work with changing their mind so let's say i cancel it and i have six months left you know maybe i won't start with sending out an offer to them i would probably start by sending out content to them hey you know have you thought about this? You know, maybe there's something that they think the product can't do, but it's actually is they don't know how to do it. So you need to educate them. And then once it gets closer, you might be more aggressive and do, you know, hey, get free billings or a discount if you change your mind. Were you triggering these based on the time that they had left? I assume that you had this automated somehow. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I don't want to go ultra technical here, but yeah, all that information is kind of cool because I would pass it along in the transactional email, right? So once they hit the survey in the transactional emails, I would actually take how long their subscription there was left of it, so what product it was, and, you know, some different types of IDs that I would probably have to use in order to uncancel it or programmatically change things. So I would take that from FastSpring. It came through the transaction email, and I put that into the survey. So once they, you know, submit on that one, it's stored in there. And then a webhook would go out back to the automation system with all that information. So I just had it on the timeline. Mm. And then I could just do different cool things. Very cool. This is like normally, like when we think about sequences, they trigger at a certain date and then they go out. And you built one that's triggered in reverse, meaning it's, it's sort of looking at a date in the future and then setting emails that, that lead up to it. Um, yeah. 
That's a really creative use of that one. So I may steal that one from you, Fred, for something <laughs> that I have going on. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Do it. What What seemed to work with winbacks? Like, was it giving them discount? What types of things seemed to, to catch the people to bring them back? Well, in the survey, you know, if they answer that the price was too expensive, obviously, if I send out that I'm going to get them a discount for the next billing or whatever, yeah, that could work to get them back, but probably short term, because then, I mean, you can't lower the price forever for them right. because they think it's too expensive. So the thing then is like, okay, if I got them back, I can't just stop there. Then I need to kind of figure out a way, okay, I want them back, but I need to also figure out how I can increase the perceived value of the product. So it's actually worth. And then it kind of what I figured out on some of these, when I, you know, dig into the data, the quality of data is that, you know, some of the people were using Capture One, not daily. So they were using it in periods or something. So yeah, so I could understand them that, yeah, it doesn't make sense maybe to have a, you know, subscription plan if I only use periods of time. So, I mean, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of the ideas that I wrote down that I wanted to try out was, be, you know, even as bold of, hey, can we create like a plan or something that you pay for consumption? So like all these different ideas came up, you know, obviously we never got to that point, but it kind of gave you all these very, very valuable insights, mm -hmm. which you then make certain decisions of. Very cool. So if we were to summarize, you've broken churn into two pieces, right? There's involuntary churn first. That should largely be automated through your payments platform, whatever, whatever that yep. is in, <laughs> in order for it to work so that you're not thinking about like... Why are these credit cards canceled? Because you should be spending your time <laughs> worrying about the actual like product and all that kind of stuff. And then the thing for voluntary churn, it seems like, and tell me if this is accurate. It seems like you're saying that really the collection of insights is the key that unlocks a whole bunch of other options for what you can do on the voluntary churn side. Is that fair? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It is. And you see some uh, really smart players out there really working hard. I'm sure if you've tried to cancel like an Amazon subscription or something, you need to go through like a couple of splash screens yeah. where they, and there's a, like a logic behind it where they're like trying to get you. But in the end, if, you know, if they can't get you, they, you know, they're going to collect the insight on it. And it's all automatically, it's just a machine that just tries to win you back. If not, tries to learn why. And then they take that into the loop and starts improving various things to prevent it to you know for future people right so where should someone start with this where would you recommend somebody start if they want to lower their overall churn rate well first you know i would start with the non-voluntary if you haven't done that and you see that you have a lot of payment failures i think it would be worth exploring that and uh, and make sure that you have a solid you know subscription management systems i think that you can uh, decrease that as much as you can i, I would start there right mm -hmm. Make sure that ice works. And then you go over to the voluntary churn. What you really need to do is like, if you have a 10% churn and you have established that, you know, this is not acceptable, you know, there's something wrong with the product that they are leaving, right? So we need to work on it. Then you need to kind of segment where this is happening. So yeah, we are 10% churn, but it's 80% of those 10%. Is that part of the people that are on the monthly? or on the annual? Is it the people that are on the gold plan or on the silver plan? So you need to kind of dial down and see where it is. And then you 
take it from there where to start improving. Cool. And then the, the way to do that is first and foremost through, at least in your system, is using that transactional email to start gathering insights. Otherwise, you don't have anything to work with, right? Well, actually, that starts with the quantitative data. So I'm kind of before I'm going into the qualitative here. So yes, you need to absolutely set up the qualitative insight collection system, right? To get to the why. But first, you need to uh, look at your quantitative data, so your analytics, whatnot. You can see it in your e-commerce platform to understand where is it happening? Where is this churn happening? Is it on the silver plan? Is it on that? And you can get that data through your system fairly fast. That just gives you a way where, where to start working to improve, right? Find what part of the car is broken and fix it. <laughs> exactly. But you'll never understand why unless you start doing the qualitative insight and creating a good process, uh, an automated way for collecting all that insight. Is it possible to cut churn in half? Have you done that in your career? I think with combining at Capture One, we definitely cut it in half. Uh, and a big part of it was the non-voluntary because, I mean, we moved... Uh, as you very well, very well know, you know, we went from a home-built one and you put in uh, Fastspring. That took away a lot of the churn, right? And gave us more opportunities, technical opportunities, capabilities to work on the, the voluntary churn part, right? You know, with the transactional emails. So all those things combined, yeah, you can definitely cut your churn in half if you have a, a churn problem, right? So, right. I mean... Uh, it's probably harder to go from, you know, once you've done all these big, dense, big things, then it's going to be harder and harder and harder to, to cut it down. Right. So, and that's when you might be focusing on working on something else because you've kind of done the big things there, but continuously are systemizing those things so you can work on other things uh, also. 10% to 5% is, and the, but going from 5% to 25 is is a lot more difficult. Yeah, it's going to be a lot harder. Yeah. So I guess the takeaway there is like, if you've never really focused on churn, that might be an opportunity to cut that in half. And then to get back to what we started with at the beginning. <laughs> so those four areas being traffic, convert to trial, trial to customer churn, that there are other places to start working on to improve conversions and retention across the funnel. Once you've gotten that churn under control, it seems like. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of different parameters uh, and even more than those that you, when it comes to product-led growth, you might want to throw in referral there. How do we get other people to refer other people? You know, then it, uh... it's part of traffic. So it's acquisition, yeah. right? But there's a big, big category yeah. called acquisition, which has, oh, there's a lot that you can do there. So yeah. very cool. we, we'll have Definitely. to talk about that on another time, Fred. <laughs> Go back and talk yeah, about the acquisition yeah. strategies. Fred, thanks you so much for spending the time. I think this was uh, this was great. We will uh, we'll link to your LinkedIn in the notes somewhere around this video, or if you're listening to it on audio, it should be in the show notes. Uh, thanks again, Fred. Thank you so much, Nathan.